Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Father, we want you to pour your spirit out this morning. We're so thankful for your presence this morning, God. We're thankful that you're moving among us, that you have been moving among us. And we pray this morning that, Father, we'd have a fresh encounter with your word. I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy, that I might communicate that which is on your heart this morning, God, that we might encounter your word in a fresh way as we celebrate your birth, your death, and your resurrection, that you didn't come and stay a baby, but you came humbly to go to the cross that we might be rescued. We thank you this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Why don't you open your Bible to John chapter 4, and that's where we're going to start this morning. John chapter 4. And uh, thank you all for coming this morning. I know the day after Christmas, some are still in their food comas and lost under the wrapping paper and all of that. But uh, there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm something, I was happy, glad, rejoicing when they said, let us go down to the house of the Lord. John chapter 4, verse 34 We talked a little bit about this last week. We're wrapping up our series on life on a mission. And we've been talking about living intentionally. We've been talking about the path that God creates for us and that we each have a mandate to to live by, that God has formed and fashioned each one of us with our own unique call, our own unique purpose, our own unique destiny, and that we have to discover that. That it's your responsibility as the individual to discover why God created you. And we've talked about the tragedy of how so many people live their life never discovering why they exist. That they just share oxygen and carbon dioxide with every other human just existing and not really thriving in life. They just make it by. They just survive. Their life is mundane. And so we've talked about those things and purpose and destiny And today, I want to end this series at the end of the year with this phrase, it's never too late. It's never too late. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. I forgot to give Amber the scriptures this morning. So John 4, 34 through 35 is what we just read. The disciples arrive back to Jesus here. He's been talking with the Samaritan woman. They've arrived back and they're amazed at the fact that here Jesus, a Jew, is talking with the Samaritan. Culturally, this would not happen. It would not happen for Jews to talk with Samaritans, but for a single man to be talking with a woman outside of the city limits who is a Samaritan, culturally, this was not okay. And now the disciples are consumed with how to handle this. All of their PR has now jumped to the front. How are we going to handle what Jesus has just done? He's talking with a Samaritan. He's talking with a Samaritan woman. He's talking with a Samaritan woman alone on the outskirts of the city. This is not okay. 
Racial discrimination was current. It was alive. And it's amazing, even in our current culture, how race can consume us. Prejudices are expressed. That was always around me as a child. That when I came into adulthood, I had to wrestle with that. I had to wrestle with my own prejudices and my own ideologies and my own uh, judgments of people. And here the disciples are having to wrestle with this at the well because Jesus has broken every cultural norm. But Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the cross neutralizes all of those little things that we nitpick at? And there was a massive rethinking that takes place in the life of the disciples at this moment. At this moment, everything begins to shift in the lives of the disciples because they begin to recognize I can't hold on to my judgments any longer. I can't hold on to my my attitudes about the Samaritans. And so I imagine the disciples are intensely discussing all of this. And what he now says reverberates right into our lives 2,000 years later. Here they are, inwardly focused. And what does he say to them? Lift up your eyes. Look up, for the fields are white with harvest. Potential is running toward you. Destiny is about to collide with you because those who we once rejected are now running to us for the answers. See, the church will always remain powerless when we reject those that we have prejudices against. When we reject those that we don't affiliate ourselves with, we will remain powerless and we will remain inwardly focused How trying to figure out how to deal with those that don't fit into our cultural norms. And part of what I believe God is doing in this hour is that he's dealing with our own inner issues. So that when the harvest begins to come and they don't look like our four-walled Christianity and it doesn't look like our cultural norms, we'll know how to love them without rejecting them. And this is what has to happen in the lives of the disciples here. He says, guys, you're seeing it all wrong. Look up because potential is coming towards you. They were missing the moment and the opportunity because they were consumed with the wrong thing. Discussing something that was now in the heart of God and something that was quite irrelevant. I mean, have you ever come across someone, they are so passionate and so focused on the wrong things? Their pet doctrine, they're so focused on this little thing. Oh, I've got to hold on to this one little thing. The problems in the church is they see them, well, I just can't be part of church because of all these things and the hypocrisy in the church. I love that meme that goes around Facebook saying you don't go to church is like because of hypocrites is saying you don't go to the gym because there's fat people. Like, I mean, just these ideas that we hold on to them. I mean, there are even some 
who, who live their lives calling forth revival and saying revival's coming, but they don't do anything to actually see revival. So here's the disciples knowing that they're sitting with the Messiah and yet they're going, wait, you can't talk to them. Revival's only for these people. The move of God is only for us. It's only for our little four and no more. And Jesus intercepts at that moment. And he says, you are looking at the wrong things. You're consumed with things that don't matter. You have to see things from a completely new viewpoint. And what he's saying here is, guys, there is potential for some great things to happen here. And all you can think of is some racial issue. And so you miss the whole moment and opportunity. And Jesus lays out for us the key to a successful and fulfilling life. Look up from your immediate circumstances. Stop focusing on the little issue right here and look up. Stop being consumed with self and see the opportunities, the potential already existing, already coming toward you. See, I think for too long, and, and hear me correctly this morning, because you know I'm the champion of prayer, right? I, I love prayer. I, I say, if you can't show up on Sunday, get here on Saturday for prayer meeting. But I think for too long, the church has stayed consumed in their prayer meetings, believing for revival, prophesying revival, prophesying all these incredible things that are going to come, but they never actually do anything about it. Because if revival actually came, it would shake up what they're used to. It would challenge my norms. What do you mean I'd have to miss my football game to be at a service? What do you mean I'd have to eat lunch with the prostitute from down the street? What do you mean that I'd actually have to do something to love on the homeless person that comes to church? Do you mean I'd actually have to tell someone about Jesus? Do you mean I'd actually have to pray for somebody? I'd actually have to be a Christian? The message is so obvious. Great answers, great miracles, great moves of God are coming towards you and are closer than you realize. The crowd is coming. The move of God is coming. It's all coming towards you. So don't be consumed with the trivial. And I think that's our greatest challenge coming into the new year is for the last two years, we've been consumed with things that don't actually matter. We've been consumed, consumed as a nation about all of these issues. COVID has become a greater name than the name of Jesus. Democrat, Republican has become a greater name than the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, until the church stops focusing on the trivial, we will never have revival. Because we will miss the harvest that is right. Listen, there are people broken and dying running towards the church. And the church is saying, hand me your vaccine card. And the church is saying, hand me your voting card. And the church is saying, hand me this. How do you identify? Who did you vote for? How does this work? How much money do you have? All of those things don't matter because Jesus met the Samaritan at the well. And he says, I have a water that you've never drank before. And I have a water that you'll never thirst of again. But we're so consumed with the vessel. We're so consumed with what it looks like. We've talked about mission. We've talked about how the mission 
flows from gifting and that gifting flows when you see what your gifting within you wants you to see and how you can become part of the answer and not part of the problem. But everything now revolves around what you see. Are you looking at yourself or your potential? I want you to turn to another passage in Scripture. Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Jump down to verse 6. Joshua chapter 14. We're going to look at as we sum up what I believe is the crux of this entire message. Joshua 14 verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kizanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you in Kadesh Barnea. Another translation says, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, on account of you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, The land on which your foot has walked shall shall certainly be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. And now behold, the Lord has let me live Just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was on the day that Moses sent me. And my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out just as the Lord had spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he had followed the Lord God of Israel fully. For me, one of the saddest things to see is a person who has nothing fresh to reach out toward. One who has lost that sense of challenge, adventure, maybe even struggle to push through into something new and different. I've been talking with Anna a lot lately. I I love education. I love going to school. If I could go to school for the rest of my life, I would. And I I didn't have the opportunity to, to go to college in person. I did all of my college online, earned two master's degrees online. And so I've I've been yearning to learn again. And so I've been talking to Anna, maybe I could go back and get my, another master's degree at A&M. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. And then, of course, I realize I don't want to go $200,000 in debt to have another degree on my wall. And so I can just continue to learn at home. But in this, it breaks my heart when I, I recognize potential in people that they don't recognize themselves because they've just stopped. They've just stopped living. They've stopped reaching for another challenge. They've stopped continuing on. And Caleb, who is 85 years of age, has held on to a promise given to him by Moses that this mountain that he is now facing is his to possess. He's 85 years old and he recognizes something. I have a war ahead of me. Just because Joshua gives me the land, 
doesn't mean I don't have a war ahead of me. He recognized that the Anakim were still possessing Hebron. There was still a war ahead of him, but he says to him, he says to Joshua, I still have the same strength. All those years ago, 45 years ago, when Moses sent me into the land of promise and I came back in my heart and said, we'll take it. But my brother said, oh no, it's full of giants. He said, I still have the same passion I had 45 years ago that I'm going to take the land. The promise still belongs to me. It meant war. It meant challenge. But Caleb had an attitude about life and moving forward that drove him and infused him with energy. For 45 years, he held on to a promise, a vision, a calling. And at 45 years later, it still wasn't too late. And I want to say to you, it's never too late to make a shift. A shift into purpose, a shift into destiny, a mission that God has for you. What is it that gave an 85-year-old man the energy and faith to rise to something fresh and challenging? What was it? Israel is challenged to enter the promised land. Ten spies lacked the faith. Two believed. Joshua and Caleb believed in the Lord and believed that they could enter and, and, and defeat the inhabitants. But ten swayed the opinion of two. And one of the things that we have to challenge ourselves is whose voice are you listening to? What witnesses are you listening to? Who is testifying into your life about your future? I had a great call with Pastor Mark Wallace this week. I, I, I called him to, to talk about a couple things that were on my heart. And, and he challenged me. He said, Jacob, I hear two voices here. I hear this voice that says, this is the end. This is what's going to happen. There's no getting around this. And then I hear the voice of promise. All the prophetic words you've had over this issue. I hear this. He said, even if this voice was true, even if the Lord was preparing you for this outcome, he said, you cannot be motivated by fear. You cannot be driven by fear. Fear cannot override your faith. And, you know, I preach this on a, on a weekly basis, but sometimes it's good to have it slap us in the face, right? And he said it so lovingly. It wasn't a harsh rebuke, but it was a rebuke I needed that I needed to remind myself Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to be swayed by the opinions of people moved by fear? Oh, things are just going to get really bad. Oh, we're just going to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to trust Isaiah 61. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you in spite of deep darkness covering the earth. Because I have a promise to hold on to. Yes, there's war ahead. Yes, the, the Anakim possessed my mountain. But I have the same strength today as I did then. Because I've got promise living on the inside of me. And I'm motivated by promise. Look up and see that the fields are white with harvest. God's response to Caleb when the spies come back in Numbers 14.24, he says... But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. That word different is one of my favorite words in the Hebrew. It's the word a care. A-C-H-E-R. 
I'm sure if I said it with a real Hebrew, you know, that sound, it means of excellence. It means of something to jut out beyond the rest. It's the arrow that flies the farthest. But Caleb, my servant Caleb, because he is the arrow that flies the farthest and has obeyed me fully, I will give to him the land which he entered. See, Caleb had entered the land as a spy. He was looking at what was ahead. Ten spies looked and went, they're big. There's battles. There's wars. We'll just live on manna for the rest of our life. We'll just live miracle to miracle. We'll just make it by. We'll just eat a little crow every now and then. But Caleb said, give me my mountain. Caleb looked ahead and he said, oh, that giant, I'll take him. I'll take it. There's, there's grapes as big as my head. I'm going to take it. There's a battle ahead. I'm going to take it. Caleb was the arrow that flew the farthest. Caleb was the arrow that pointed at destiny and said, I will have my mountain. What does it mean to have a different spirit? See, the attitudes and intents of your heart determine your destiny. I'm going to say that again. The attitudes and intents of your heart determine your destiny. What does it mean to have a different spirit? I would suggest that it is one that is free from defilement. It is one that is free from uncleanness, bitterness, bad attitudes, self-indulgence. It is someone who is willing and ready to deal with anything in their hearts that would separate them from intimacy with God. My spiritual mom, Bertie, for years would tell me, Jacob, I hemorrhage so you don't have to bleed. Don't repeat the same things I've done. I hemorrhage so you don't have to bleed. Bertie, by far, has been the greatest example in my life of someone who says, God, clean me out. Whatever it is, whatever separates me from you, get rid of any defilement, get rid of any uncleanness, deal with the attitudes of my heart. To follow the Lord fully is to do whatever is necessary. Let me say that. Whatever is necessary to remain strongly connected to God and to His people. That's the hard part. We, we're like, God, I'm sold out for you, but I don't want anything to do with your people. Right? Amen? My pastor. God, I will follow you wherever you go as long as you tell me not to go with that person. God, I will do whatever you say as long as I never have to see so-and-so again. And as long as they're not part of my destiny, just take them home to glory so I can possess my promise. I mean, these are attitudes that we have. Caleb understood. Listen, I I don't know how Caleb did it, y'all. I see my mountain. I want my mountain. Ten spies. What are you afraid of? Okay, 40 years. 40 years Caleb had to walk around with people who had bad attitudes, who were self-indulgent and afraid. For 40 years. That's long-suffering. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And when they'd finally all died off, Caleb said, they have finally gone on to glory. Give me my mountain. 
but for 40 years. For 40 years, he remained faithful to the body God had given him. To do whatever is necessary to hold on to the vision that the gifts cause you to see. Jesus wanted the disciples to have a different vision. He had to get them to see differently. Caleb is just an example of someone who saw things differently. What separated him from the others was that he was not overtaken by the surrounding pressure and influences, the bad attitudes, the sin, the independence, the self-will against God's will, the lack of love. To understand Caleb, you must understand he lived above the negatives that so surrounded and overtook the nation of Israel. Constant death, negativity, unbelief, criticism of leadership. He lived above it. He knew that there was a mountain in his future. He knew God promised me that I will have the land which I entered. And so I'm going to stay faithful all these years, no matter what the people around me are saying, no matter what is happening around me, no matter the fact that I'm watching them drop like flies for 40 years. This one's died and this one's died. They had a promise, but they died. They had a promise, but they died. But I have a promise that keeps me alive. And the reality is that so many of us have let go of the promise. And you've got to reignite and reawaken the promise on the inside of you because one of the most powerful choices we make in life is whether or not we take on board in our hearts the destructive negative negative attitudes of others and refuse to be defiled by them. We make choices in this regard. Someone comes and is negative, say criticizing leadership. Do we come in agreement? An alliance against that? Or do we say, no, I know what God has called me to. And that person serves a purpose in my life. Even I've had to serve under leadership I didn't agree with. But I knew I was there to serve for a season, for a purpose, so that I might fulfill my purpose and destiny for my life. So it didn't matter if I didn't agree. Now, sin is one issue. We're not talking about sin issues. Let me be clear. We're not talking about leaders and sin. I'm just talking about when we don't agree with things and we have to look and go, why am I here? What is the purpose of what I'm serving? It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We have to have purpose and promise driving us toward our destiny. We can have people around us. Why would you move to Texas? I mean, that was the question I had for years. Why would you do that? Shelly says amen because there's purpose driving me there's promise driving me why would you make this decision because there's purpose driving me there's promise driving me why would you sacrifice xyz because there's purpose and there's promise driving me Caleb could have settled in the wilderness he could have settled he could have built a city in the wilderness but that wasn't purpose And that wasn't promise driving him. There was Hebron ahead of him. There was promise ahead of him. And so for 40 years, he had to deal with the complaining and the negative attitudes and the people who didn't understand him and the people who couldn't comprehend. Why do you keep going, Caleb? Because I have a different spirit. Because I have excellence on the inside of me. Because I jut out. That is what it means to be apostolic. 
1 Corinthians 12, 12 says these are the signs that prove apostolic. Perseverance. Then signs and wonders. But such people who form alliances with negativity, even though they feel good and connected to peers, they never reach their full potential. You know where there is typically the most unity? In complaining. Because if we can find someone that will listen to us complain and agree with our complaints, we feel loved. How sad that our culture loves to complain. See, a different spirit is one free of pride, full of faith, and separate from negativity. It's having a spirit that has looked up and seen the opportunity coming toward you. Jesus says, look up and see. Look up and see. And here are the vital elements to your success as we wrap this up and close this morning. Here are the vital elements. I've got four things for you. Four things to wrap up 2021. Number one, define your mountain. You have to define what your mountain is. I can't define it. No one else can define it. You have to define what your mountain is. This is called vision. And when you have vision, it will always flow around gifting, passion, and dreams. Bible's so clear. Without vision, people perish. And a lot of people die long before they died. A lot of people die long before they ever died because they have no vision. Define your mountain. What is your mountain? For Caleb, it was Hebron. What is your mountain? What has God called you to? Number two, get cleaned up within. I want to challenge you before the new year. Spend this week letting God clean you up. Deal with whatever you've dealt with in 2020 and 2021. I feel like they're the same year. I don't feel like it ever ended. Deal with it. Get cleaned up within. Refuse the defilements that so often consume others. What are the negative attitudes I need to let go of? What are the, 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 the offenses, the bitterness, the, 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 the pain, the anger? I'm determined in 2022, I'm going to excel. Everything I put my hand to, I will excel at. I'm determined. In order to do that, I've got to have clean hands. What are the things you need to clean yourself of? Number three, pray in a way that focuses towards the mountain. Stop being so inward focused. Look at the mountain. What is my mountain? And what do I need to pray to get there? And number four, gain God's strategy to possess the mountain. You got to have strategy. Every person who goes into war knows they need a strategy. Talked about this early on in the series. I've never read of where an enemy comes up to someone else and says, you can just have my land. Just take all my army. You can just have them. No, there's strategy. What are the keys to strategy? Prayer. Praying for strategy. Involvement in other people's mountain. Oftentimes, we get lost in how to get our mountain. And one of the best ways to get our mountain is to help others get theirs. 
So get plugged into the church. If you haven't attended Next Steps, that's the first week in February. That tells you how to serve, how to get plugged in, all of that. Talk with your pastors. Talk with us. If you don't know what you're called to, schedule an appointment with me. Let's sit and talk. Let's pray about it. Let's figure out what God has called you to. Get plugged into a small group. And then start. Start doing things to get towards your mountain. If you're called to missions overseas, get a passport. Whatever it is that you're called to, whatever your mountain is, start walking towards your mountain. Because here's the key. It's never too late. Started with that. It's never too late. Caleb was 85. 85. When he looked and he said, it's time. I'm going to go get my mountain. It's never too late to begin the most exciting journey in your life. Walking in the mission God has for you. Every single one of you have a mission that God has designed specifically for you. This morning, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, if you've never chosen to follow him this morning, if you've never repented of your sins and laid down your life to follow him, I want to give you that opportunity. You might be in the room, you might be watching by live stream this morning. Greatest decision of the human heart is to follow Jesus. A couple things that have to take place for that. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Without Jesus, our identity is one of a sinner. You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that you have a need for the Savior. In acknowledging that, you repent. Repent isn't just saying, I'm sorry. It's turning. It's changing your mind on the matter. You need to repent. Third thing is follow. Follow Jesus. Get connected to the church. Get plugged in. So this morning, if that's you, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, if you're watching online or you're in the room this morning, I want you to pray with me. I want you to slip up your hands and say, I want to follow Jesus this morning. If you're watching online, just hit that button. I want us to pray together. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry. Today, I acknowledge my need for you. I get up and I'll follow you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.